0: Welcome to episode 11 ten. of Sibling... Oh, shit. Ah, fuck. <laughs> fuck me. Are we on 10? It is 10. Ah, okay. We'll try that again. <laughs> I done fucked it out the gate. Shit. <laughs> I, I know, because there was total conviction and also total confusion at the same time. It was like,
1: eh? I love it. Okay. <laughs>
0: Sponsored by Snap On Tools.
1: Here, I've got a song for this. I just made it up now. I hope you enjoy it. Remove the ego.
0: Do you know what this recipe needs? Some more salt. (music) Welcome to episode ten of
1: Sibling Sibling Rants. Rants.
0: (laughs) It's your big brother, Andrew.
1: And your little sister, Bronwyn.
0: And as we both sit here on Zoom in our respective homes of Kitchener and Cambridge, we are reminded that these cities are the traditional, on the lands of the traditional homes of the Haudenosaunee, Anishinaabe, and Neutral peoples.
1: We recognize and deeply appreciate their historic connection to this region, and we also recognize the contributions Indigenous peoples have made in shaping and strengthening this community. We are grateful for the opportunity to create on these lands together and reaffirm our commitment to truth and reconciliation in our community.
0: I was a hundred percent distracted there by Huntley jumping right <laughs> up over your I'm shoulder.
1: Really, I'm, I'm- I'm doing the my part of the acknowledgement, and Huntley just zooms right across behind me. Yeah. She was like, now's my <laughs> moment! No, Huntley, this is not your moment.
0: <laughs> uh, you <laughs> don't understand cats very well. It is always their moment.
1: <laughs> it's true. This is really her place that I live in. I just right. pay for it. <laughs>
0: exactly. Um, so, y'all, we are going to dive right in here. There is a lot. It's been, uh, yet again, another week and oh, then yeah. some. Um, there's been a lot of shit that's happened since the last week that we were recording, though. We're going to try and touch on everything if this runs longer or we just don't get to it. Um, I mean, whatever, we'll, we'll see where (laughs) it goes. It's the rants for a reason. So, um, I'm going to kick off a little quickly here, just addressing some stuff from last week. Mm -hmm. Um, no one said anything to me, but when I went back and I listened to last week's episode, some of the things that I was addressing, um particularly with regards to the anti-asian hate um, or stop Asian hate, SAH, however you prefer to look at that current um, movement, um, I realized didn't sound quite the way I wanted them to. In my frustration about the entirety of the situation, just some of the things I said, after the fact, I ended up watching a documentary. That's been put out by the Try Guys. Uh, And if you guys are fans of the Try Guys, I highly recommend going out and checking this. Uh, Eugene Liang, who is the Asian member of the team, conveniently enough, was already putting together this anti-Asian racist documentary before the shootings in Atlanta happened. Uh, And it actually, it taught me even more than I had realized, too. Some of the things that tend to be a little more on the passive side of the scale as far as racism towards Asian people. Uh, And while my intent was never there, when I went back and I listened to last week's episode after watching this documentary, it just sat a little uncomfortable with me. Mm -hmm. So I do want to take the time to apologize. Um, I obviously was trying to come from a place of the best intentions of stopping Asian hate uh, and stopping promoting these things. Uh, And I very clearly have some work to do too, to still continue to eliminate some of these passive remarks out of my vocabulary, out of the vernacular and uh, move on with them. So this is me acknowledging that we're not perfect. We're going to make mistakes. And while none of you might've even seen it as problematic, On the off chance that someone happens to listen to this sequentially, no less, know that this is me acknowledging that eh, in my haste and frustration to express the problems with specifically Asian racism, uh, some of the things might not have come across as anti-racist as they should have. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think this is part of the... And I mean, I haven't watched that uh, video from the Try You did send it to me, but I'm horrible. Uh, (laughs) But, uh, you know, I think... I mean... This is the thing that we've we've been talking about this whole time. Is it's not about being right off the bat. It's about like constantly evolving and and being willing to like it's like it's that thing that my that Pam, my boss says. <laughs> Shout out to Pam. But it's that take the ego out. I've talked about this before. Um, when we take the ego out of our own kind of wokeness and our own like awareness of these things. We're able to so much easier reflect on them and go, okay, maybe in my own anger, I wasn't as helpful or as supportive or whatnot as I meant to be. And that's a really important thing to reflect on. I think that's huge. And I will watch that video.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And the rest of you guys too, um, you can find it on YouTube. um, And it really, it breaks down a lot of the history behind Asian specific racism, Um, And a lot of the things, uh, it it highlights a lot of stuff that, again, I didn't even acknowledge myself Mm -hmm. before, truly how passive some of the racism towards Asian communities are. Uh, So I definitely recommend if you've got an hour and change of your time to go and educate yourself, uh, take a listen because the entire documentary uh, is very thankfully uh, filmed and directed and taken from the standpoint of Asian individuals. So it, it's just that step beyond what my pasty white ass can ever say about <laughs> it. Uh, so have a go at that. Um, I also want to address, st- so one of the stupid, stupid fucking things I saw after the whole stop Asian hate hashtag got rolling here is someone had posted a sign or had a couple signs posted on their line and it was um, black lives matter. Another one said Asian Lives Matter, and another one said Hispanic Lives Matter. And someone, some fucking reject, put the post and goes, Oh, this is sounding a lot like all lives matter to me. You know what? Oh my god. All racialized lives matter right (laughs) Right. now. BIPOC lives matter. And yeah, we're going to have to go through and start highlighting them individually because some of you dumb fucks don't seem to understand what the hell the purpose to the X lives matters statement is trying to say here. Like, ugh, I will forever support the fact that yes, all BIPOC lives matter. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: especially because I fully acknowledge the fact that my again, pasty white ass uh, very much benefits from the systems that exist. My life is at no given point ever going to be made harder because of the color of my skin.
1: Yep. <sighs> It's that like I don't know. It's, I mean, the amount of like bigots who do this all the time, where they think they've said something really clever, and you're like, no. <laughs> Does it Not say so. all lives? No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Because here's the thing, honestly, white lives right now don't matter that much. <laughs> we we no. gotta we gotta focus on the the black lives, the indigenous lives, the Hispanic lives, the Asian like Asian lives, like just. Like mm-hmm. anybody who's not white, who is racialized. <laughs> um, also, um, I was having a conversation with, uh, with my colleagues, um, which like as a reminder to people, although I'm not, I'm sure you guys don't need it by this point, but I do work for a multicultural theater company. And so we, I am one of two white people on the team. Um, there's five of us. And we focus very specifically on giving a voice on the, on the stage to racialized voices. Um, so we talk about um bipoc or as we put it i b p o c we usually put indigenous first because we're canadian um but uh I was reading an article about uh this uh, that I saw that a black woman wrote about how um uh we use bipoc, oh my God, bless you. Please edit that out.
0: <laughs> oh come on! I had to leave my burp in there the other week. Your sneezes get left <laughs> oh, in. Yeah, you bullshit. did. Shoot. <laughs>
1: okay, I made you do that too. Okay. Well, yeah. you know, fine. We'll leave the sneeze in. Anyway, the article <laughs> was talking about how um, uh, this this woman was talking about how she's discussed with other black women before about how they get um, actually pretty angry hearing "bipoc" used so often. And I was reading the article and I went interesting i you know i i've never thought of that perspective before because i thought that bipoc or IBPSC was like the um the the appropriate way to to acknowledge uh black indigenous people of color in in conversation and so i was talking with my colleagues about it and i said you know i i'm, I'm interested to hear everybody's perspective because this is one that i haven't thought of before um and we got into some discussion about it about how we we started wanting to use the term racialized because we often steer clear of that um, as a society because we don't want to like we want to keep it as like easy as possible for the to ra- uh wrap their heads around and racialized is such a negative term for like a lot of white people <laughs> to, to say but um but BIPOC and IBPSC which is what the article is talking about and also what my colleagues were, were mentioning is that we've started using it as a way to lump everybody together when um, you know a black person's experience is not the same as a person of color's experience it's not the same as an indigenous person's experience even if they experience similar types of racism um, and so when we say BIPOC as a way to, um, to kind of lump them together we're kind of diminishing The actual experience that they're having, so, um, and how different they all are. So, saying racialized better does that because we're not lumping them in with a person of color who experiences racism so differently. We're just saying anybody who experiences racialism, therefore, racialized bodies. And I thought that this was, I don't know if I'm explaining it properly, and I don't know if listening back to this, it's going to make as much sense as it did when I was talking to my colleagues. But I thought it was really interesting, and I think it's an important thing to kind of mention here to start that conversation is, um, as white people we shouldn't just be lumping everybody together and the moment this is brought to light it's something to consider so i've started to try and use racialized more often fairly recently this happened pretty recently that i saw this but i just thought it was really interesting um and worth discussing
0: absolutely and i think that ties really well into one of the points we wanted to discuss this week uh which was an in- a really incredibly articulated post That I shared with you and I shared on Facebook uh, in general with regards to intersectionality and what that means. And it's fascinating. And I'm actually going to take a minute here to read it to you guys. This is a, a bit of a read. So I'll try and make it not sound as droned out and boring as I can here. But this person wrote, when I first learned of Kimberlé Crenshaw's concept of intersectionality, which for those of you who don't know, Kimberlé Williams Crenshaw is an American lawyer. She's a civil rights advocate, philosopher, and a leading scholar of critical race theory who developed the theory of intersectionality. So a little bit of background there. Um, So when this person first learned of her concept of intersectionality, um, I misunderstood it. I misunderstood it for years until I started teaching it, and my students started to parrot back my misunderstanding, and then, as things so often do when you teach them, something new clicked. I want to say a little bit about what I got wrong and what I've since come to understand because I think intersectionality is crucial for actually conceptualizing and articulating events like the racist, misogynistic murders in Atlanta, and I don't believe we can fight or heal what we can't understand or articulate. So... When I first learned about intersectionality, I thought the concept was this. Each of us come from a particular standpoint, which is the intersection of our various identities. So our race, gender, dis or ability, sexual orientation, class, etc. Because various forms of oppression like racism, sexism, ableism, homophobia and classism play out across these identities, we all have different experiences of privilege and oppression based on where we stand. For example, some of us, myself included, experience sexism. This is written, obviously, from the perspective of a female author. I do not experience sexism. <laughs> I am privileged as fuck in that respect. Um, so some of us, myself included, experience sexism and homophobia. Others experience sexism and homophobia and racism. Still others experience sexism and homophobia and racism and ableism and transphobia and fatphobia and classism. You get the idea. My understanding of intersectionality was that some of us have a burden and some of us have more burdens and that this is important to remember. I think of this now as the quote-unquote additive model. Each new ism adds on to the ones before it, compounding the experience of oppression. At its best, the additive model is useful for remembering that not everyone's experience is like our own. For understanding we all have experienced some forms of privilege ...and some forms of oppression, and for keeping in mind that liberation and social justice are never, and can never be, single-issue struggles. But the additive model also sets us up for what people before me have referred to as, quote-unquote, oppression Olympics. The ranking of different experiences to decide who has oppression the worst. Who wins most oppressed in this grand arena of awfulness that is our world. This is, for starters, not necessarily the best basis for building empathy, coalition, and solidarity... It is also, and maybe more importantly, actually impossible to calculate. Who's more oppressed? A black disabled immigrant or a native lesbian? Spoiler alert, there's no answering questions like that and it's not super useful to ask them. It's also not intersectionality, because intersectionality isn't only or even mostly about how oppressions add on to other oppressions or privileges add on to other privileges. In other words, it's not about, or just about, what it's like to struggle with this and that. It's about what it's like to struggle with the place where this and that are so interwoven that you can't actually tell them apart. It's about how multiple forms of oppression are experienced simultaneously in ways that make them inextricable from each other. In the middle of eighth and pine intersection, you can't say whether you're on eighth or pine. You're on eighth pine. It's both. It's more than both. It's mixed. Crenshaw argued that the intersections of oppression are like this, that black women experience racism and sexism in a way in which you can't parse out where one stops and the other begins. Mm -hmm. The racism changes the shape of the sexism and the sexism changes the shape of the racism. And what's left is a particularly racialized form of misogyny and a particularly misogynistic form of racism that targets black women specifically. So it's like this. When we're taught about sexism and feminism in predominantly white institutions, we learn that women are stereotyped as weak in need of protection and kept at home. But this is really only true for white women. Because if we think about sexism centering black women, we come up against entirely different and in some cases straight up opposite stereotypes. The strong black woman, the loud aggressor, the laboring mammy who never got the chance to stay at home with her own damn kids in her life. And if we look at Asian American women, we're met with entirely different stereotypes, including the sexualized stereotypes that are already being used to justify or dismiss the murders in Atlanta. Sexism looks different and operates differently for Asian American or Pacific Islander women. Black women, Latinx women, and Native women because of the ways it's racialized. Sexism against white women is also racialized, but in ways that go unmarked. We, in brackets, white women, find our experience generalized to stand in for... What sexism looks like, but it's not. It's what sexism looks like for white women. And the point isn't to try and figure out whose version of sexism is most heinous. The point is to try and understand how sexism is operating against different populations of women so we can begin to fight for all women. This isn't just about sexism, obviously, or even just about sexism and racism. Crenshaw was writing about the experience of black women, but her point applies more broadly across different axes of identity, including ability, sexual orientation, size, etc. It also applies to other women of color, including Asian American Pacific Islander, Native, Latinx, Middle Eastern women, and others. It's also not just about stereotypes like the ones I used in this example. Crenshaw is a legal scholar and she coined the term intersectionality as a challenge to one particular social institution, law. She laid out the framework for a specific challenge to the limitations she saw in anti-discrimination law, namely in its failure to protect black women. Basically, she pointed to particular court cases in which black women weren't allowed to sue for sexist discrimination because of their experience was racialized and not the universal experience of sexism applied to white women and weren't allowed to sue for racist discrimination because of their experience And it's gendered. If black men were getting hired, clearly racism wasn't in play, or so the courts said. Her point was that the particular intersection where racism and sexism met targeted black women in a way that was invisible to people who insisted on universal experiences of sexism and racism as separate forces. So in that original piece, she compares the harm done by these interlocking oppressions, to borrow from some of the more badass black feminists, the Kumbahi River Collective, I might have pronounced that terribly, I'm so sorry, uh, to being struck down by a car while you're in the middle of an intersection. Imagine that before you're allowed to get medical attention, you have to name the direction the car came from before it hit you. Sure, you're plastered to the pavement, but did the car from race come from racism drive or sexism have? It's often literally impossible to say, and more so to prove, and in the meantime, people bleed out. I say all of this, and in brackets, and God love you if you've read it, because I think we have desperately need this nuanced concept of intersectionality to be as viral and internalized as the additive version that has become the buzzword over the past 10 years. It's only when we can see the ways that racism and sexism and all other isms are fusing together in particular ways that we can challenge them effectively. If you're lucky enough to reach a point in your education where you learn about anti-Asian racism, you will probably learn about the 1882 Chinese Exclusion Act. The first U.S. law that barred a country, uh, sorry, that barred a particular nationality from entering the country. But hopefully you will also learn about the Page Act, which passed seven years prior and barred Asian women specifically, barred them moreover on the basis that they were considered likely to be prostitutes, because it's only when we start to learn the history of the oppression in the U.S., not as a single story or as a series of separate stories, the racism history, the sexism history, etc., but as a clusterfuck of interlocking stories that we can begin to challenge them. And when someone tells us what happened in Atlanta wasn't racist because it was misogynistic, we can know two things for sure. One, we are being gaslit because those things coexist. And two, the murder of Asian American women based on some dude's sexual fantasies and fears is an age-old version of what misogyny looks like when it targets Asian women. And it couldn't be more racist if it tried. But it will try, and I hope we'll keep trying too. And then it goes on to list and cite a whole bunch of sources. (laughs) So that was a read and a half. Um, And you may want to play that back, re-listen to it and try and reabsorb it because there's a lot of information that's thrown out there. But I think the biggest underline that we need to take from this, uh, and I think it was really important for us to bring up um, as a podcast that is really trying to drive uh, social justice in all of its aspects, is the fact that, it's not a pissing contest yeah. of who's got it worse. No,
1: no, and um, we fall into that so easily too. Yeah.
0: Oh, absolutely. Well, because she, like like she says, the additive model is kind of the narrative that we've built around this, mm-hmm. and and it so it does become this, as she so eloquently puts it, oppression Olympics, um, which I think is the best and yeah. most awful analogy all simultaneously, because it's not. It, it shouldn't be who has got it the worst.
1: No, exactly. You
0: know, and we've, we've brought this up before too, you know, it's, um, when we talk about people getting their backs up over white privilege and well, I've struggled too, and you know, not being able to define yep. white privilege versus wealth privilege. Yeah. We're not saying you haven't struggled <laughs> and in the same swing, um, we're also going to take a hit at people who are saying oh well i've struggled and i've managed to get through it just fine so So should everyone else
1: you should struggle too exactly uh capitalist narrative
0: (laughs) right and we need to stop that we need to stop thinking that uh, it's got to be the same way for everybody or that we're able to paint with this singular brush we're not everyone has independent experiences and it's not that one stands higher or worse it doesn't matter I mean it, it does it matters that a black woman will deal with racism and sexism differently than an asian woman will than an indigenous woman will but at the same point we also need to focus on the fact that there is still sexism in there the the overlying picture yeah. is the problem with sexism and then there's also the problem of racism mm-hmm. and yeah when you're dealing with something that is so overlapping that you can't pull them apart that's also when it becomes difficult to pin these down and be able to really break apart these discussions because it's just it's so specific and yet encompassing at the same time yeah does that make sense yep
1: yep it's uh well they're specific to the point where like they are technically different things but because they're happening together you can't separate them so yeah
0: yeah so that's that's a big takeaway and again, it's it's still a lot to process, but it, it was one that when I read that, I sat there and I went, "Well, shit," <laughs> um, because I know I'm a hundred percent guilty of thinking about the additive perspective for this. So, um, you know, and I, I guess we've we've kind of thrown that around in our podcast before too, in the fact that sure, Bronwyn and I are part of a marginalized group, but we don't have it as bad as a person of color who is part of the LGBTQ yeah. community, um, as a trans person who is part of the LGBTQ community. Or um, even
1: just a person who's part of the LGBT community who um, has experienced uh, religious discrimination. Um, mm. You know, like, I mean, this is why I take the approach of um, and, and I do it because I think it's important, but I also think I, I also am trying to help others do the same when I talk about my own privilege um, because it's, it's important to normalize talking about it, right? Like I'm not just calling out somebody else's privilege. I'm also calling out my own. When I talk about like, yes, I am an LGBT person, but I don't experience homophobia very often. And when I do, it's usually just a microaggression. It's, it's not blatant, but, but even when there are those rare blatant moments of homophobia for me, it doesn't affect me the same way. Like it stings, but I get over it a lot faster and it doesn't affect me the same way long term because I have a community and a family around me who is 100% supportive and I can always go to them and know that they're there. Whereas others don't have that. And that's why I discuss it. It's why I discuss my privilege. I talk about having privilege when it comes to mental health. Um, and having support and, and, and a family who gets it it's why i talk about privilege when it comes to being lgbt it's why i i have privilege when it comes to being part of a religious organization you know it's why i have privilege when it comes to being a woman it's because i'm uh very you know um uh strong i don't want to say strong-willed and and in similar and assume that others are not but i just mean like stubborn. i'm very <laughs> you know what <laughs> but I'm very direct and I'm and I'm able to what am I trying to say I'm able to I'm able to stand up for myself in a, in a, in a way that a lot of women aren't because a lot of women have been trained their whole assertive. lives not to be. Yeah. I'm assertive and, and I'm willing to, and I'm able to put my foot down and set boundaries and that are all things that are really hard for a lot of women to do because of their upbringing and because of the settings they, were, they grew up in. So it's, it's, I have a lot of privilege. I may not have financial privilege, but I do know that I will never go homeless. So like, you know, it's just, it's recognizing the layers of privilege is important. And it's not to say that, like, I don't sometimes have some things hard, but it's just to sit there and go, it's not about that. I it, it, it can exist at the same time that I'm dealing with something really difficult that is based on a place that I don't hold privilege, while also acknowledging the privilege I do have in that setting. And we should always be able to do that, right? Especially those of us who hold the most privilege.
0: Yeah, so. and we definitely should be able to sit there as well and see... Other people's struggles, Mm -hmm. and regardless if they look akin to our own, we have to get away from, well, I've made it through it, so so should you, and start just acknowledging that we need to do better by each other. You should want to do better by other people, whether it's family, whether it's friends, whether it is a complete stranger. So if you're seeing them struggle, if you're seeing them have a difficult time and it's something that you've gone through. Stop sitting back on your goddamn fucking pedestal going, yeah. well, I've managed to tough my way through this. I don't see what the fuck the problem is. And start acknowledging that, yes, I've struggled my way through this. I know what that's like. I want to do better and push the system to be better so that it's not that problematic for everyone else. after yeah.
1: me. yeah, exactly. Who in the hell are you
0: giving such cut eyes to? I'm sorry. I'm sorry.
1: My, I don't My know what it is, but Huntley is fucking wild tonight. My cat child <laughs> oh. is just like, I'm not paying enough attention to her. I think it's because I was out doing work at a friend's place instead of like here. And for anybody listening, it is a friend. It's the like one of the only friends that I see unmasked. Just letting people know. Um yeah but uh because i've been gone all day and now i'm on Zoom, huntley's like what can i play with it's gonna absolutely piss my mom off and so she's so you like just,
0: you've got this look on your face being like don't you fucking dare, don't you yeah because
1: <laughs> she's playing with the new plant my mom got me and it's like it's a sturdy plant but i was watching her like pull it and i'm like she's gonna Fucking knock it over. She's gonna knock over this new plant that I really love and I'm gonna have to clean it up and I'm gonna be really fucking angry. And she knows it. She she was looking right at me. So anyway, if I'm distracted, <laughs> it is because of my little devil spawn child. Anyway, okay. um somewhat along the lines of what we were just talking, and, and something that I actually have a clip that I'm going to play because it's so good. It's from the Sarah Silverman podcast. Um, but it's, it's a this it's, it's a similar type of conversation because it's, it's talking about, um, it goes back to like letting go of the ego and also being able to change perspectives and, um, and also acknowledging our own privilege in situations that doesn't make something a problematic word for us, but that, you know, shouldn't stop us from seeing it as problematic and how a lot of us get our backs up because we're so quick to be like oh we're canceling words now like oh we're we're trying to control how people speak by saying that they shouldn't say something racist you know <laughs> like it's that whole freedom of speech thing that drives me insane um anyway uh i say this a lot when i talk about language but this clip put it so perfectly um so i'm gonna play it into my microphone and we're gonna hope that it does the job it's supposed to
2: so I have this friend who I adore and we text um he always texts me videos like a video texts. So we were talking and he's like I'm a little high but he's like uh is there going to be a you know is there going to be a big thing now where you can't say master Bedroom or master bathroom, you know? Because I mean, think about it. That's that's from slavery, like the master's bedroom, the math Like now, is there going to be like a whole thing where we can't say that? It was just so funny to me, and I, I I sent him a video back, and I go, "Oh my god, that never occurred to me." But I will never say it again. Done. It's not a big thing. <laughs> There's no big deal about it. I'm done. Done. I'm going to call it the main bedroom and the main bathroom. No big deal. The big deal comes from the people who, uh, you know, realize the blatant slavery reference and still fight it. Just fighting progress. Oh, I'm not going to change the way I say that. You know, that's the big deal. (laughs) It's not a big deal to go like, oh, fuck. Yeah, I'm just going to call it like the big bedroom or the main bedroom. And of course, you know, he wrote back and he's like, oh my God, you're totally right. <laughs> and then he's just like, oh, I'm embarrassed. Don't talk about this on your podcast. But I was like, come on, man, this is the stuff. This is the stuff, realizing these things and being changed by it. I just think it's so fucking cool. It's those relics that are so unnecessary. And it's funny that people cling to them so hard. It's like Jimmy's, you know, I, I don't know if it's a New England thing or a Boston thing or a regional thing, or maybe it's not, but sprinkles, the chocolate sprinkles, I grew up calling them Jimmy's, and uh, then I found out that that comes from Jim Crow, because they're the brown sprinkles, boom, done, they're chocolate sprinkles forever now, you know, like that took 1 second. You can't unring that bell. I know I say that a lot, but it's really relevant and I, Jack McCoy says it on Law & Order a lot.
1: But yeah, I just thought that that was so perfectly said. I I talk about this a lot like when I I know I've talked about this on a previous podcast, I can't remember which one. Um maybe a couple where when I was uh, working in residence life, I did some of the training for diversity, and one of the things I did was talk about language, and this is exactly the type of conversation I had I, you know it was it, students were getting their backs up, going, well, "Why can't I say that word? You know why can't we just re reimagine it, reframe it? And I'm like, well, if you're not part of the marginalized or racialized group that is affected by it, you don't get to rephrase it. but why I'm gonna ask you to think about this longer than just the second. Why are you so attached to this word that doesn't hold meaning for you but is harmful to other people when the english dictionary has you know the english language has so much more vocabulary in it that we could be using we can change words you know we can change meanings and i don't mean like a lot of people, instead of saying the R word, will just say something that's like very similar and be like, oh, I'll just say it this way instead, but they still mean the same thing. No, I mean like finding a word that is completely devoid of the thing that's harmful and using that instead. Like instead of, I, I, I try, I've been trying for years to eradicate crazy and insane from my vocabulary, which as anybody who listens to this podcast will know, I'm still not doing that well with because I have said them many times on this podcast, but I have started shifting the word crazy to using the word wild because wild is not, it's not harmful to people's mental health. It's, um, you know, it's, and and if something comes forward that shows that wild is a problem, then I will, you know, find something else. But it's, you know, I I found that like, once I found a word that worked, it was a lot easier to make the switch. Um, And no, sometimes these things are not overnight. Like as Sarah Silverman said, you know, she says, okay, done. That's it. I will never say it again. Um, Sometimes it's not that easy. Like when we grow up saying certain things, it can take a while for us to eradicate it. But the thought process of, oh, that's a harmful thing or that's not even if it's like currently harmful but that's a thing that we're saying that is rooted in racism and a harmful history i can eradicate that from my language why do i need to say it that way why can't it be something else you know and it's just been so important to keep having these conversations and it goes back to these conversations around privilege and these these conversations about intersections um in in marginalization like we have we can we can do this work this is the easiest part of this work is to start calling ourselves into these conversations and go it is that easy i can make that change i'm not going to say that anymore you know
0: yeah and it's it's one of those things that i i'm going to take a while i will fully admit to remove master bedroom because again i never gave it that thought before yeah. but now anytime i say it i guarantee you this is going to come back to me and i'm gonna go oh shit wait a minute. <laughs>
1: yeah but that's exactly it that's <clears throat> the process but that's... also
0: you've gotten me oh you've gotten me away from saying crazy i'm sure you have caught on to the amount of times that i say wild. i know now, i love it <laughs> ever since you've addressed it um but it's so true and it's so funny because i have another post that segues with this really really well um actually segues it's literally in the same bracket uh another friend of mine shared this and it said a conversation between me a general Xer, and my son who's 15 in the car me turning up the volume heads up this song has the f word in it son says okay thanks song says fuck 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 song goes oh i thought you meant the bad f word me huh son goes you know whisper spells f a g and I just stopped and paused. And Son says the word "fuck" doesn't hurt anyone. The other one mm-hmm. does. And me realizing that my whole life has been a lie. Mm-hmm. And his generation is better than mine. Oh yeah, fuck. Fuck.
1: I say this all the time. I'm like Gen Z is going to change the world. Millennials were tired. Gen Z, we started paving the change. And then Gen Z is going to be like, yeah, we're just going to do the change. I love it. But
0: uh, which is fantastic. And it's so true though because I, you, and I have had this discussion with sister, yeah, as well about. That word is probably one of the few words that will make me see red mm-hmm. and want to set somebody's teeth in the back of their throat. Um, <laughs> because there is just yeah. such a negative mm-hmm. connotation behind yeah. it. Um, and it's just it's one of those cacophonic words that just it, it drips with hatred. Yeah,
1: it does yeah. when
0: someone says it to me. Um, and it, I know that some people normalize it. I know that some gay guys, Use it quite fondly with each other. I hate it. Mm-hmm. I can't fucking stand the but word.
1: <sighs> That's the other thing, though, is that like they can. If you are a gay man and you are trying to reframe that word and you use it lovingly in your own, you know, circles, okay. But to anybody else, like I used to use it with my friends as a joke, like because we thought it was funny. Um, like within my circles of like gay men, and then me myself the flaming lesbian but i had a friend once this was in undergrad i had a friend once be like it's not okay you can't say that and i and i initially was like well i obviously don't mean it like i'm gay too kind of thing and then i thought about it and went yeah you're right i can't say that it's so hateful you know like it comes from such a hateful place and it is not my job to reframe it (laughs) you know
0: well and i had a a buddy of mine who used to use it constantly it was his go-to word uh, and then when I got him a job working with me, uh, and he started carpooling with me out the gate, he would, he would say it and hang it out and I knew he meant no harm by it, but I would constantly look at him and be like, Travis, pick a new fucking word, yeah. bro. Like, I, I don't care. You can call me fudge packer, cocksucker, sucker, <laughs> knob gobbler. Don't care what it is. <laughs> leave that word out of your vocabulary, yeah. please. Yeah. And it got to a point where. It it took him a little bit, it probably took him a couple weeks, but he'd catch himself all of a sudden when he'd say it, because he'd look over and he'd see me giving him cut eye. Yeah. And he would be like, Oh shit, sorry, man. Um <laughs> So like it, it it takes time, but if someone addresses that something as simple as a word is problematic, it does not harm you yeah. to change it. Yeah. And can, stop clinging to exactly. it like it's your goddamn firstborn child
1: and Fuck. i like i used to be the person who would like very quietly try to change people's perspectives and now i just like very openly call people i do that to your boyfriend all the time <laughs> we'll be out and about and he'll say something problematic and i'll be like do we is that funny do we talk about do we talk about those things is that Sorry the word the we use do we make rape jokes and he'll be like uh because <laughs> he's not used to being called out by me <laughs> Cause I just so blat- like I don't have a quiet conversation with him afterwards to be like, Hey, you know, you should really be like not doing this. I just look at him and go, do we say that word?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and sometimes that's what it takes. Yeah. Sometimes if you've got more of the patience, cool, pull yeah. people aside quietly. Um, however you care to address it, address it, but just make sure that people understand yeah. when there's something problematic that, exactly. it, you know, it, it honestly bothers you and it doesn't stress the fact that it doesn't hurt them. Yeah. yeah. To remove it from the vocabulary. I also want to say, too, while we're talking about words, vocabulary, uh, people's perceptionism and such, um, (laughs) you and I have been talking this week. um, And you literally, I think it was honestly today uh, when we were talking about the fact that you are, quote unquote, radicalizing me. Oh, that was um, last night, yeah. (laughs) Because because you're, you're as far left as it gets, whatever. And it's so funny because to stop and replay that back in my head at no given point in any of our discussions uh, and even in doing this podcast, have you ever struck me as being far left? And (laughs) maybe that's something we also need to start wrapping our heads around and normalizing is that wanting to do better by people and not be an asshole (laughs) is not some crazed far left momentum. Uh, Like it's,
1: well, it, it shouldn't be. It, it, it shouldn't well,
0: it, be. Yeah. It shouldn't be. And yeah. we really need to stop treating it as such because it's just, it's, it's really not, if, if you really understood what far left truly is.
1: um, Oh my God. Know, it, I mean, I've been sharing, I, I share these with you and my friend Davis, Um, but constantly these TikToks that are talking about the difference between the far, like the far left and the far right. And the difference the between
0: the horseshoe one I sent you. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, you did. And, and like, it's just, it's this, we, the people on the far right believe that there is an equivalent on the far left. It's just like, people think that there's an equivalent to the Fox, to Fox News on the left. People think CNN is the Fox News. No, it's not. It doesn't do the same thing. It doesn't, um, it doesn't <laughs> go without questioning things that are happening with the Democrats. Like, they pretty equally, assess the news and i mean it's a news channel it's you know they're gonna have biases and they very clearly don't like a lot of the things that republicans have put out but they also dismiss a lot of the things democrats put out uh, and critique it um so there's no equivalent to the like unequivocal like i'm gonna die hard love donald trump no matter what is said kind of thing that fox news does um just like that there is also no equivalent to the extreme left that the that the extreme right will have you think like i am considered extreme left if i were to have a conversation with with a far right person and my version of extreme left is I want everybody to be able to survive and put food on the table and have housing. And I don't really care if it means more tax dollars because the tax dollars should be affecting the millionaires and billionaires in this world who will not be that affected by having more taxes put on them because nobody needs to hoard that much wealth. But we should be able to give a universal basic income to everybody. And the far right goes, you want to take money out of my hard earned pocket to give to the lazy fucks who don't give a shit and just want to stay home. Like, That's the equivalent in their mind. But on the far right, you have people who are literally lynching people. They are taking rights away from people. They are, like, killing people. They're creating environments like rampant, late-stage capitalism, which we are currently in, that is bound to fail eventually. Capitalism is never made to last. And, like... (laughs) they're just perpetuating these things that are literally killing people. Like that is the difference between the far right and the far left. The far left is not killing people. It's trying to find ways for people to survive and live and thrive, you know, and it and it's, but it's seen as extreme because it's so contrary to what the far right believes.
0: Yeah. And it's, well, and I think it was you who sent me this and I've seen this same kind of breakdown um on facebook circulating around before too is that because of the reactions of the extreme right what is considered left keeps getting pushed further and further away from what was once center because centrist people tend to panic with and go well we don't want leftist extremism so they lean more towards the right exactly so we're just what was once center is now extreme left and (laughs) what's centered now is actually getting closer and closer like scarily so to extreme right as the norm uh and we're (laughs) we're getting further away from this pendulum swing
1: i am a very scary individual (laughs) well yeah i mean i guess (laughs) that's why i say that definition
0: (laughs) well and i guess by that definition yeah technically you probably are as far left as you get but because in my mind i am more of a truly centrist person i i personally find myself being more left of center but it's because in my brain center still exists back where center existed not where it is (laughs) not where it
1: is now yeah Uh, (laughs) but it's interesting it's so and and what i meant by like radicalizing you more is just more that like because i realized after i said it i was like i feel like that comes across as though i don't believe that you have the same beliefs which you do because like we have this podcast (laughs) Um, and we have a lot of the same opinions about things. What I meant by it and what I've been observing is just like, because you're so... Immersed in this now where we're we're constantly like we talk about this every week and we have these rants every week and we're constantly sharing things with each other to like rant about and talk about and whatnot. That now you're seeing it so constantly that you're you're, you're experiencing more like unjust anger. Well, not the, the anger isn't unjust, the anger is justified, but like this anger about these injustices that is that is more pervasive, and like I am constantly angry by these things, and I have been for a long time, but like that's more the radicalization that I'm talking about because I just think it's so funny. Like you'll you'll send me something you'll be like i'm so angry this is such bullshit and i'll be like yes yes welcome (laughs) enjoy
0: (laughs) but it's so true though because i have i i took our own advice here um and i've started making more active efforts on my tiktok and whatnot to be liking and following more people of color and try and follow those stories so my for you page looks so much different now than it used to um, which is great because I'm seeing so many more opinions from black people, from indigenous people, mm-hmm. from people of color. Um, I'm seeing a lot of input from Asian people. Actually, they really tackled um, and currently the current um, dissecting going on is why the Stop Asian Hate movement mm-hmm. hasn't prompted the all lives matter and all that shit as much as blm did um and the basic breakdown of it is that the blm movement attacked a particular institution uh and the root cause of a lot of the problems whereas the stop asian hate movement hasn't gotten there yet and Um, it's more of
1: an empty statement in in comparison because it's it's not even
0: that it's empty it's that it's it's touching at the fringes of it and it's telling people on an individual basis being like well, well, don't do hate crimes towards Asian people. Yeah. Um, so, like, you're really touching literally, like, the fringes of where yeah. racism is as a problem as a whole. Uh, and I feel like, again, in watching the documentary um, that the Try Guys put out, it highlights so much more that a lot of North American Asian identity roots itself in Asians having this correlation between being the... Um, ideal immigrant
2: mm-hmm.
0: and this entire thing. And honestly, this, as soon as you start listening to it and you go through what they're explaining, it's like, Holy yeah. shit. This is a hundred percent how we see people. We default see Asians as um, hard workers. We yeah. default see them as uh, again, like I, like I highlighted out of respect, but a part of the things that I worried that I portrayed wrong last week, um, that they're always, politely quiet yeah and whatever um and like again as soon as i watched the documentary i went oh i a hundred percent pushed that idea without even realizing how harmful it is mm-hmm. um which is why i wanted to address it off the bat but like that's those are the thoughts we start need to start getting behind and start being aware of
1: yep definitely
0: so where else do we want to rant next because we got we got other things
1: i feel like you have more than me so uh where do you want to go there brother Uh,
0: okay can we okay well we're talking about race and we're talking about um racism sexism and all of the isms and all that let's talk about little nas x's oh my god
1: yes okay yeah (laughs) it's so good
0: (laughs) It's amazing. If you guys have not seen it yet, uh, the song is called Montero. Uh, Call Me By Your Name is the, the name in parentheses. Uh, but it is causing a ruckus on the internet. And it is glorious. And I didn't understand it at first. And it's so funny because I saw one of the TikTok trends that's going now. It is like gay sitting in hell. And then the song plays and they just look... Top to bottom. And at first I hadn't seen the music video. So it made no sense yeah. to me why you were just hearing this song echo going past. And I was like, I, you know, I threw it a like because it was a, a content creator. I followed and I was like, haha, okay, whatever. Then I saw the music video and it made so <laughs> much more sense what was happening. And I all of a sudden, because I knew we were going to address it today. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I got to watch yeah, this no, so I can sad. figure out what the hullabaloo is about.
1: So like for anybody who has not watched it, uh, you should. Um, it is like cinematic beauty. It is so well done. But it's so he's using this video as uh, like a basically a fuck you to everybody in his, in his life and in society who made him hate himself as as a gay man for his whole life. <laughs> um, and so the video talks and and specifically focused on um, religious homophobia um that's you know like that makes the comment all the time you're going to hell because you're gay and so the video in the video he ends up like Going to hell, um, and like taking over, (laughs) but in the process, when he's sliding down to hell, he's literally sliding down on like a stripper pole, and so, and you you have to watch it; it's so good, and the song is just phenomenal. It's so good, but the best part is that like I've heard from like I don't know three to five of my friends, I can't even keep count anymore, being like, "That is the only way I'm headed to hell. (laughs) Like there better be a pole for me to slide down and." on. <laughs> which is funny because like i you know i think about it and i you know i've made these jokes too uh i don't know whether i've mentioned this on the podcast before but uh you know I, i've made the joke to my dad before who's a priest <laughs> you know like oh uh you know dad i i'm sorry to tell you but like i'm 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 going to hell because i'm gay ha 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 and you know i, I say it all jokingly like that my dad just looks at me and goes yeah kiddo like that's fine i'll see you there <laughs> there's a special place <laughs> in hell for clergy, you know, like just, <laughs> so like, that's what I grew up with, which makes it really funny. But I mean, like as a Christian, I don't actually believe in hell in that, in, in the way that a lot of Christians do. But, um, Well, I, I even just,
0: said something I similar to you it's... last night too, because I've been joking for years and I'm like, yeah, there's a special place in hell yeah. for me. It's called a throne.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, this is it. He ends up taking over the throne of hell. It's so good. It's so good. It's a direct commentary, but one of the things that's come out with it is everybody is like, calling this every not everybody but like people who are against it are just like this videos come out and they're like calling it blasphemous and being like how could you simulate this like whatever which is so funny because it's like christians don't they they want to tell us that we're going to hell but then when we do like jokingly go like yeah okay i guess i'm going to hell then they call us blasphemous and it's like which is it which which is it are we uh right, what what, are, what do you want like you're, you say i'm going to hell so i might as well make it a party you know like and that's the other thing is like we talk all the time about like i mean if i'm going to hell and if that's where all the gays and like the witches and like the you know like feminists and like if that's where we're all going then hell can't be that bad it's gotta be no, quite I'm- the party
0: And that's just it. this whole party notion behind it. This is not new. This is something that has existed within my friend groups. And I'm sure many, many other groups of people for like 10, 20 years now, (laughs) if not longer, like, fuck man, you want to condemn us. We're going to make it enjoyable. Suck it. (laughs)
1: Exactly. (laughs) But that's just the thing. Like this whole, people are, well, and it's funny because like this, these people are, the people who are condemning this are not condemning videos like, um, uh, uh madonna's like a virgin video where she <laughs> has the devil present in the in the video and like you know like there's so many different music videos over the past couple of decades where well probably more than a couple of decades where where the devil has been part of the video and they haven't been nearly as hated as this video and it's like no you just you just hate it because he's taking your own like argument and using it against you and like shoving it in your face like <laughs> <laughs> you know he's owning yeah. it instead of you instead of like cowering from it like that's that's why you hate it <laughs> it's
0: just... well and i also want to give shout outs too because it's so nice to see someone within the rap
1: world yes yes
0: stay take this mm-hmm. bold a stance on coming out yeah. um because it's think about rappers that you know I don't know that I can list, I can't list a single one that I know that is openly gay or has come out with this kind of fucking video. It's just, it's something that's gone very hush. Maybe a lot of uh, female rappers have pushed the envelope because again, we're back to that thing where it's like more acceptable socially for a woman to do it uh, and less so for a man. Um,
1: See, that's actually a really interesting conversation. Because I actually don't believe it's more socially acceptable for people, for women to come out. I think it is initially when dudes think it's hot, but the moment you recognize, they recognize that it's not for them, men get really aggressive about lesbians and about women who like women. So it's, it's interesting. That's an interesting conversation.
0: It's true. (laughs) And that'll that'll be one to uh, unpack at a a later point. Maybe we'll
1: wait for Pride (laughs) Month. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Ah <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yo, understand that all four episodes that come out in June are going to be gayest. Oh yeah. So uh grab your oh, rainbows, yeah. grab your strap-ons cuz it's going
1: to be fun. <laughs> Excellent. I'm so ready. I'm so ready. <laughs> Sponsored by Snap-on Tools. <laughs> somebody needs to come out with a line of strap-ons called snap-on tools for for oh my god
0: okay so while we're on the topic of (laughs) sex toys because this this is where this tangent is going this is the segue now now. (laughs) this is the segue to the uh giant ship that was blocking the suez canal for a week um
1: so many memes so many also just a quick comment before you go on is that We lost, like, what was it, like, 58 million dollars from that across the world or whatever. And it's just, like, further proof that capitalism is extremely fragile. Anyway, go on.
0: Absolutely it is. (laughs) Um, But there was just... There was something I heard today. uh, And again, local radio station. uh, (laughs) There was 20 containers on that boat that all contained various sex toys. What? Designed to... They were on that boat... For restocking the North American market post-Valentine's Day and everything else. What? <laughs> and they cracked the joke. They were like, why didn't they go into the containers and just turn all them on? They could have vibrated the vote back into another sack <laughs> <site> right up <laughs> the canal again. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Oh
1: my god. Here's the thing. I love the internet. This whole thing with the ship happened, and I was like, I was saying to a couple of people, I was like, here's the thing about being a millennial. Is that, like, while the internet is also a cesspool of really horrible stuff, it's fucking awesome in the sense that, like, something shitty happens across the world. And we just, like, immediately turn it into a meme. Millennials are just like, we got you. We'll give you some laughs. It's fine. Like, I have a I have a Facebook friend who um has had, like, this whole pandemic has had an album called COVID-9 Meme. And they just like constantly post new memes into it that they found that are either regarding the pandemic or regarding something stupid that happened in the States or regarding like the ship, like the container ship or, you know, like just all of these different memes. Then I'm just like, yes, this is what I live for. I live for people finding the humor in it and putting it all over the Internet so that I can have a goddamn laugh. This is also why TikTok is phenomenal. (laughs)
0: It's true. Um, also, speaking of our local radio station, uh, I continue to have messages uh, with Scott Fox. Oh, really? After, after last week. Uh, the man was actually, and it was so funny because this happened again by Thursday, by the time we posted, and I went, uh, I just called you out. But that's okay, because you're never going to listen to our podcast anyways. Uh <laughs> But uh, he responded back to me and I was like, I sent him a message over Instagram and I was like, hey, so I'm the guy who brought up toxic masculinity and male fragility and I wasn't trying to necessarily accuse you of being a toxic male. It's literally the habits and things that you were talking yeah. about. Those are the kind of things that I feel like perpetuated uh, and we as guys need to stop getting so offended about it, this way or the other. So literally engaging him in more conversation and he actually came back to the table and engaged me more That's and he's like... Yeah, and he was 100% for it. He's like, honestly, Andrew, I really appreciate the follow-up. He's like, I think I just have the uh, a problem with the term toxic masculinity as a whole because I feel it's being used too loosely. He's like, I don't necessarily know that razzing guys over drinks is necessarily something that's toxic masculinity, but raising a, a young boy to disrespect women or something like that, those are 100% toxic things that we need to call it, we need to stop, whatever. So I'm... At the very least he's willing to engage in discussion. Yeah. Um and I the the fragile male response was uh probably a snap mm-hmm. response on air to hearing it. Um uh, but yeah. the the man is willing Although to come and I am the table just gonna say
1: to him <laughs> if he ever listens to this, that uh razzing
0: I told him he can join us sometime on our podcast.
1: Yeah. I mean like razzing your dude bros for ordering girly drinks is 100% toxic masculinity and here's why because it perpetuates this idea that doing anything even slightly feminine is a problem which further perpetuates all of the issues we have not just as women but also the issues that gay men experience and the like the hate that comes through with that the rampant sexism the the like the mental health issues i know we talked about it last episode but like i hope scott does listen to this because i think like you know it's great that he's coming back and he's engaging in the conversation but i really do think that he has a lot more to think about on that topic because like yeah i mean when you really you don't have to think about it hard to be like oh wait this is perpetuating a really harmful stereotype that men need to be men and drink beer you know like it's Anyway, that's my, that's my two cents. I'll stop. (laughs) And I I,
0: I tried to, I I pushed it back a little bit too. And I was like, understand that what I really want to drive home from this is the male fragility aspect Mm -hmm. and the fact that we need to stop being so, uh, uptight anytime. And we've, we have addressed this in our own podcast too. Stop getting your back up so much. If someone says that something you say or do is misogynistic or racist or sexist, whatever, stop getting your back up because then you'll be able to come to the table and actually have conversations about, okay why is this problematic where can we start drawing these clearer yeah. lines because things that if you you think that the the lines for talks the term toxic masculinity are muddled it's because we're not coming to the table and actually having yeah. these conversations
1: here i've got a song for this <clears throat> i just made it up now i hope you enjoy it remove the ego <laughs> that's it that's my song i hope that's you enjoy it
0: that, you know what I, I think i should just start that as our cold open. <laughs> <laughs> that is literally it. Doesn't have nothing else is necessary at this, this point. Is um,
1: no, this kidding. is a singing podcast now. I'm just This <laughs> is a singing
0: podcast. Because people can sing on this podcast, stupid hater in your fucking TikTok comments.
1: Oh my god. Okay, yeah. <laughs> oh my god. So I okay, speaking of toxic masculinity. Um oh <laughs> this dude, I woke up the other day. Yesterday? Yesterday I woke up yesterday morning. I don't know what time it is anymore. Um <laughs> to like 20 to 25 me- like comments from this one person and I'm assuming it's a dude I could be wrong but it's usually always white dudes that do stuff like this they have like no profile picture they have a private account but they go on and they make hate comments on things and so this so this dude. Um, saw the first video that he commented on was my video about, um, care, just how about we care about other people. Like I made this one response to somebody who he, he, this one dude had like commented on one of my videos about universal basic income and was like, I'm not paying for somebody else to blah, blah, blah. And I made a comment that was like, ah, you know, or, or, and like, hear me out. Or we could just, you know care about other people you sound angry are you okay like it was very much that kind of condescending thing and uh and it was just like it's a video i made like a month ago and this dude found it and i think saw it and it really pissed him off so we commented on that and then like 20 some odd other videos and they were co- like there were several several like racist comments which i reported i also reported his account for like harassment and bullying but he also commented some stupid shit like there was a, a video I made recently about or a couple of videos I made recently about my relationship that just ended um, because I'm angry about it and uh, I was like talking about how fucked up the situation was and uh, <laughs> this dude comments he's like so a lesbian came in and broke your heart what were you expecting or like on the other one he was like just another one of your poor choices a lot like all the other single moms I know and I was like what "The fuck nowhere in my account does it say i'm a mother because i'm not like where are you getting your information dude so he's very clearly just like on here to troll me and he's trying to like razz me and it was just like it was so ridiculous and i'd say the only thing that makes me sad about it is just it doesn't affect me because i know better i'm like i don't i I don't care this doesn't hurt me because i know you're an idiot but um he but it, it makes me sad because i know that people like him do this to other people who maybe don't have the backbone that i do and don't have the support system that i do um so that things like this don't do bother them more um and that makes me sad but anyway he found one of my singing videos one of the ones like because on tiktok you can like duet videos and people will do like the the harmony to a song and then have you sing the melody and they'll have the lyrics up and whatnot which so will do that eventually yeah oh yeah we definitely will um and so like he he comments on it and he's like some people shouldn't even attempt singing and you're one of them like i i i suggest you don't quit your day job not that you Uh, but i highly doubt you have one anyway and i was like okay i don't want to i don't want to give this guy any time of day so i didn't respond to any of his comments but i could not help myself with this one so i respond because in tiktok for anybody who doesn't have tiktok you can respond with a video instead of just words so i responded with a video and all i did was just zoom in to my music degree (laughs) on my wall and then pan over the name that says bronwyn nicole blakely honors bachelor music (laughs) Because I was just like, "Oh, I I shouldn't sing, should I? (laughs) You fucking idiot who knows nothing about me. You ignorant fuck. Enjoy this." He hasn't responded yet. I don't know if he will. He might be done razzing me, but like, oh my god, I just thought it was really funny. So
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm I'm glad you hit. I was right pissed i was like yeah. are you fucking kidding me who is this fucking oh asshole? you
1: you weren't the other one i've had several people like go to my defense and like comment on his stuff and like tell him off but which i appreciate it's so it's so great to have people back you up like that but it was just this like i was like <laughs> this dude one you listen to the video like it's not my best singing it's not my best singing for sure but you listen to this video and like you can tell i can sing <laughs> you, you know and so it's not like that <laughs> <laughs> there was no concern over that but it's just that he very specifically went on to try and make me feel bad about my singing voice like dude i spent fifty thousand dollars on a degree for my singing voice which i wouldn't have gotten if i was a bad singer so because i couldn't have gotten into the program if i wasn't decent so like you can't get under my skin with that but nice fucking try <laughs> you know just this like oh my god oh wow the internet trolls they just and 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 it's so stupid because like this 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 guy like saw one video of mine and then he decided i hate this bitch i'm going to comment on like 25 of her videos and just leave hate comments just because i hate her and it's like this is the thing that only i shouldn't say only it's not actually only but it's predominantly only cis hat white dudes that do this where they go on and they're like I hate you so I'm gonna make it known and they go out of their way to watch your other content and then specifically make comment on it which is so funny because when I hate an account when I go on and I see somebody's content and I'm like wow I might sometimes hate watch some other stuff and be like "Ooh, this is problematic but I never like go out of my way to like watch them all and then comment hate comments and like like you're literally seeking me out now <laughs> you're wasting your time like dude you wasted so much energy on this and you want to know how much energy i wasted on being sad about it none <laughs> also understand that like you just fed tiktok's outcome yeah! like thanks for pushing
0: my videos some more bro because not only did you comment yeah. you obviously watched them repeatedly <laughs> uh so cool thanks for the support thanks for getting me
1: more views (laughs) (laughs) maybe i'll make some more universal basic income posts for your pleasure have a great Mm. day sir (laughs) do you know
0: what this recipe needs some more salt
1: (laughs) i want one of those salt plushies so bad
0: (laughs) i'll have to get you one for your birthday
1: yes my birthday's in less than two months i know know. it I know. is i'm aware (laughs)
0: Um, Okay, so do we want to go into. We're at an hour or 10 here. So do you want to go into your Bridezilla rant or do we want to kind of taper off for now, maybe save that for next week?
1: Let's save it for next week. I just think it doesn't fit in with the arguments we're having this week uh, or the the arguments, the rants we're having this week. So if if
0: that's the case, then I got a couple more things that I want to come up with. But I do
1: say to everybody that we will be talking about the concept of Bridezilla and how that whole culture is bullshit and sexist anyway it's for another time so stay tuned
0: <laughs> <laughs> it'll be next week along with the fact that we will 100 percent be dissecting the george floyd court case that yes. is ongoing yes. right now yes, it really? has just gotten yeah. rolling so i assure you by the time we go to record next tuesday there is going to be plenty more for us to dissect yeah. and discuss but currently the fucking police defense
1: Oh my God.
0: Heat them out the goddamn fucking window. Okay. I will leave it at that. We'll (laughs) we'll get into it more because we could just rant on that forever. Um, But I did want to bring up one more thing that came up and this is a lot more lighthearted and a lot more superficial. So (laughs) the top 10 or top, however many sexiest bald men list (laughs) came out the other week. Um, and I got to pull it out just to know who's totally on the list and in what order they're there. Because, I mean, I know there are some definitive hits we all know and love. Dwayne The Rock Johnson is on the list. Vin Diesel, uh, Shamar Moore, Michael Jordan. Um, so I don't know who puts this list out. Um, trashy Hollywood shit is what it boils down to um i can't find the actual full list but the real bottom line here is who made top did you hear about this who was named the number one sexiest bald man no this fucking joke
1: i'm just gonna let you know i don't pay attention to sexy men
0: (laughs) great um not surprised
1: who made the list (laughs)
0: listen Oh, cause trust me, listen, you may not pay attention to sexy men, but this one you're just gonna sit here and go, you're fucking joking, right? Prince
1: William. No! As
0: the sexiest bald man.
1: No, he's not! You Uh, you know my gay ass knows that. No! Oh god, he's not, he no, he's not he's not sexy.
0: Uh, no, he's not even remotely sexy. Like, first off, out of the two brothers, you pick the ugly one <laughs> on the list. Cause Harry's way more fine, no question. Yeah, um, I can see that, yeah. <laughs> secondly, do you understand the rest of the men you have on that list? Like, um, Bruce Willis still graces the top of that list. And like
1: I'm just gonna uh, say though, how much do people have to like it's like when people win awards for business, you know, you know that they pay into those awards oh, yeah. to win them, right? Like it's. I feel like this is the same situation. It's,
0: yeah, it's definitely a degree. of And I of feel nepotism. like,
1: in light of everything that's come out, they were like, "Yeah, if we put Prince William on the top of that list, we can help divert the focus oh, to, to the air." Absolutely, I brought which this is up. just <laughs> like I saw this. Oh, I have to. You know what? I have to say that I saw a magazine cover in the pharmacy the other day i think it was in shopper's drug right that said that had a picture of kate on the front of it and it said and i shit you not it said the new people's princess and i fucking lost my wow. shit i'm sorry the only person who is actually going through even a little bit of what diana went through yet let alone worse because it's racist is Megan. Megan is the new people's princess. (laughs) Not Kate. Kate is very much in the institution and is doing her part. Like it's not only is that cover designed very specifically to try and change the narrative. And I see that. But it's also racist because we're going to divert attention right now to the white princess who's still in good favor because she goes by the status quo and we're going to ignore the fact that the woman who's actually going through the experience that Diana went through but is a black woman we're just going to ignore the like we're we're just going to we're going to call the other one the people's princess yeah. absolutely not it made me so angry it's so gross it's so gross oh, yeah. and i totally i brought <sighs> this up
0: too uh at work with my one coworker <laughs> it ended up coming across like chelsea hart is me um which i mean really she just needs to bring this up the fact that with prince william getting named sexiest bald man uh in the world <laughs> or whatever is look over here this wonderful distraction of this perfect prince that <laughs> yeah. actually has done absolutely nothing to hide the fact that we're racist as fuck like
1: yeah no exactly same with that same with that cover like i just yeah no i hate it i hate it i just like it a lot um <laughs> The royal family is trash. Yeah. And we need to end the monarchy. Just saying. Yeah. it's has gotta go.
0: It sure fucking does. And at the very least, stop naming your ugly ass prince as the sexiest man. <laughs> no. There is no list. <laughs>
1: Like, you can't even put him on, you can't
0: even put him on, like, sexiest top whatever on Forbes. Like, I don't care how much money you have. You is not that pretty. Settle the fuck down.
1: You know, (laughs) I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but I really fucking hate it when people lie to me. And so, Forbes has lied to me, and they're dead to me now. (laughs) Because Prince William... Is the furthest thing from the sexiest bald man. Oh, I don't. I don't know if Forbes was the one
0: that put it out. Uh, I don't. Oh, sorry.
1: Don't, Whichever magazine I did no, lied to I, me, I, and they're dead what? To
0: me now. A tabloid lied
1: to you. <gasps> I know. Shocking. It's. I know. It's shocking.
0: Uh, and in the meantime, if uh, Dwayne Johnson or uh, Vin Diesel need consoling, I'm. I'm free. I'm just I'm gonna throw that out there. Or, or uh, Pretty much, are, literally, literally okay. anyone else in that list <laughs> needs consoling. <laughs> I'm available.
1: Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh my god. Yeah. That's a thing. Yeah. Um,
0: we also, okay, so we'll also touch on something else uh, next week a little bit more, too, yeah. and dive into it, um, but last night, literally... <laughs> dumped into my lap at the 11th fucking hour. Um, Waterloo region, which is the region that we live in, has done pull the Durham region. Uh, (laughs) And in efforts to be anti-racist or work away from the racist narrative, um, has promptly put their foot in their mouth pretty much up to the kneecap. um, By in an effort to Be more inclusive. (laughs) Creating this fucking diversity police cruiser that they have haphazardly slapped with some fucking decals on the back of it, which you've spent God's only knows how much fucking money on that could have gone to actual useful things. Oh, and you're going to come out with three or four more cruisers throughout later portion of the year. That's yep. that is another clusterfuck that again we will deal with next week um as we continue to rant about racism and stupidity.
1: But it just it blows my mind because what are a regional police, like, imagine the amount of committees that had to sit there and be like, This is a good idea. This is this this is a way that we solve diversity issues. We're just gonna slap some diversity focused writing and, and images on a police cruiser. It's like when we put the rainbow flag on a police cruiser and we're like, Look. We're pro-LGBT. Look at us go. See this rainbow cruiser? Doesn't it feel less bad when we pull you over and discriminate against you because you're a homosexual? Doesn't it feel less bad when this cruiser that is here for diversity pulls you over and racially profiles you? We thought so. Have a great day. <laughs> oh, some, like a whole committee decided this was such a good idea and not at all toned up. I can't. I can't. We'll talk about it next week police oh my god the police uh, it's not even surprising it's not even surprising it's not surprising but i just want to say that as somebody who at one point and i can talk about this more next week but at one point not that long ago i actually wanted to pursue a, a, a policing career uh, because i thought that you could go in and change the system from the inside and then i educated myself in 2020 and realized oh no wait that's not how that works never mind and Shifted my own narrative and decided not to pursue that anymore. The Waterloo Regional Police likes to put on this facade that that they're hiring more diverse bodies and that they're trying to make the police service match the region that they're serving. And so they hold all these like diversity hiring sessions and women only hiring sessions and LGBT hiring sessions. But then you look at their graduating classes every few months and you're like, oh, look, a white man, white man, white man, white woman, white man, Asian man, uh, white man, white man. Oh, look, a black man, white man, white woman, brown woman. Oh, okay. Uh, not very diverse. <laughs> Just every time, every time. So like this like whole diversity narrative of like, we're doing better. They are not. And this money is being used that should be going towards other things like diversity initiatives within the police service to help educate them better. And police have actually said like, police on the service have actually said like we need better diversity training and intersectional training and all of the support and they're not getting it instead it's like here's a cruiser you can drive around in that shows that you care about diversity go racially profile some people enjoy like i just can't i can't anyway a rant (laughs) for next week but that is my preliminary thought like thought process and and this is why we say white
0: people suck (laughs) Trash. Absolute, Absolute. trash. Trash. We are the raccoons <laughs> of the
1: human race. We are the raccoons. No, raccoons eat trash. They're the heroes. Oh, okay. <laughs> eat the rich. Uh, uh. Eat the ri- Absolutely eat the rich. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah. Anyway, I feel like we if we keep talking, we're just it's just gonna go it's, on forever. It's, so. Well,
0: it's true. Y'all don't we could probably like, if we took an afternoon to do this rather than an evening, we could probably crank out, like, three episodes back to back to back. Um oh, we could. And depe- Which depending, on, a- <laughs> depending on what the topics are yeah. uh, or what week is coming up, uh, or sometimes if we're going to have guests, that may be a thing that happens. There may be a, yep. a multi-parter episodes. Uh, yep. Give it time.
1: Well, and also just like if we ever get to a point where we're going to be really busy in life and we're like, oh, I can't do this. We've got a festival coming up and I won't be available for these two weeks. Then we take a Saturday and we just like power through three different episodes. But uh, this is the great thing about editing is that
0: you'll never know. We can do that.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, but also but for now,
1: we record every Tuesday night <laughs> We do, and try to
0: remember that things happen on Wednesdays. <laughs> that's that's the theme of march Uh, but also we've hit double digits friends we
1: are episode 10 yes are you following our instagram yet at sibling rants or our twitter sibling rants pod because if not you should and also if you're listening on a streaming site that allows you to leave a review like apple podcasts please do because it really helps us out
0: yeah and uh Look forward to some upcoming episodes. Obviously, we've given some teasers as to what's happening next week. Um, (laughs) We might be nearing closer to when our first guests may be joining us. That might be a thing in the very near future. Not giving anything (laughs) away specifically, but, you know. Yeah. Follow our socials. Interact with us. I mean, you you guys, if any of you who are listening interact with us uh, personally, that's always great, too. Yeah. Um, we do love hearing from you guys and communicating. But, you know, if you, you leave messages on our socials and things, it means that other people yeah. can see. So, yeah, tell your friends.
1: Yeah. And if you have a thought of the thing that you think you would really like to hear us rant about, um, or something comes up in your area or whatnot that you think is important to talk about, send us an email at siblingrants at gmail.com because we would happily talk about it.
0: Yeah, because clearly our topics change uh, week to week. Let's be honest, we we know what some of what we're going to go into next week with, but that's a week away. There yeah. may be a many, many other tangents between now and then. We're going to see what happens. Right. Um, That's so true. But yeah, it's it's not like we don't have concrete plans here, uh, but obviously you, the listener, are here for a reason, and we want to make sure that uh, y'all needs are being addressed, too. So
1: Exactly. Okay, well, we hope you guys have a great week, and uh, thanks for listening.
0: Stay safe, wear a mask, get yourself vaccinated if you can. Sign up for that. I realized, oh, that's another rant. The vaccine rollout. Oh, Oh, fuck. (laughs) The tangent. I'm just going
1: to say that I have now pre-registered because I've realized that the BMI index for what is considered quote unquote high risk. Again, this is a rant for another time. Medical fat phobia is a problem. But but it might mean that I can get my vaccine early, which, you know what? I will take full advantage of because fuck get me vaccinated. Woohoo!
0: shot number one because shot number two is still four months away and again another (sighs) rant have a great week friends we'll see y'all next week (laughs) on sibling rants Bye. bye